Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Podcast lovers, how the fuck are you, friends? Welcome to the show. Lions Lounge Lockdown is sponsored for the entire 2021 season by Match. Scaffolding. Match Scaffolding is a company owned and operated by a Millwall fan, season ticket holder and personal friend of mine. So if you do need a little bit of scaffolding in your life, please don't hesitate to check out Match Scaffolding's contact details in the description of this audio podcast offering. Our guest today is a Millwall legend. Played for the club for a long, long time. It's a long, long interview and I enjoyed absolutely every single minute of it. Possibly the only man in Mill history, I'm not sure, do your research, that played for the club twice and managed the club twice. His name's Alan McCleary. This is Lions Lounge Lockdown, episode 49. Enjoy. <laughs> Fill your boots. Okay, so we're going to go in three, two, one. Lions Lounge Lockdown, episode 49. A Mill legend, Alan McCleary. Al, thanks for joining us, mate. Pleasure, Dan. Nice to be nice to be on your show. Thank you very much, mate. Yeah, we um we had a chat just quickly off air, and I said, usually I do five or six pages of notes. I did thirteen pages of notes. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot to cover, so um, hope you can withstand me for that long period of time. Yeah, so it's uh, it's been a few, a few few years at the uh, at the club anyway, mate. And it's so it's obviously uh, a fair bit to cover, but um, yeah, yeah, pleasure to be on and uh, have a good chat. Yeah, fourteen years. Across two spells as a player, over 300 appearances, and obviously one permanent manager, one temporary manager. Let's just go back to the very beginning. Born in Lambeth. So was you raised a Millwall fan or from a Millwall family? Yeah, it was. You know, it was um, sort of Woolworth, Kenton area where I grew up. Um, went to school locally um, in Kenton primary, you know, in, in, in primary school years. And um sort of secondary school years, sort of Camberwell. So always in South London as a kid. It was a, it was a, the, my team was, that I supported, all my mates supported them. Um, so it was just, it was just, you know, natural that we all, we all just went and watched Millwall. And um, lucky enough, the schools I went in, obviously, were in South London. Um, that led to then playing for South London schoolboys. Um, and one thing led to another in terms of, of being scouted and bits and pieces like that. And, you know, at the time, 
I tried at the time you could train you could train at two clubs. So I actually trained at Millwall and at Arsenal at the time. So um but obviously my allegiances were were closer to Millwall. Of course, mate, of course. And then how did it come about you eventually becoming a what you being a YT at Millwall? Yeah, why uh, well YT it was an apprenticeship at the time, yeah. Uh, back in the day it was called apprenticeship. Um got offered to sign for both as, as a schoolboy, uh, both at Millwall and Arsenal. Oh, um, but obviously, I wanted to play for Millwall, so turned down Arsenal, really. Um, signed for Millwall and then just progressed through the ranks, fortunately. Mm. Um, played in the youth team and, you know, sort of tended to try and, you know, I was lucky enough to play above my age group in most years and uh, ended up in the youth team, <clears throat> ended up with... Um, Barry Kitch and, and and Roger Cross sort of been a big influence in youth team years in mm. terms of coming through through the youth system. And, um, you know, when Kitch got the, the job as caretaker manager at the time, um, I was in the youth team with him. He was, he was my youth team manager. So um, after an FA Youth Cup game one, one night at the Den, he told me that I'd be making a debut in the first team. So he was the, he was the actual manager that gave me my first team debut. Oh really? That's brilliant. What yeah. was he like, Kitchener? He was a he was a great man, great man. Obviously a legend at Millwall. But yeah. for me personally, he was he was just as good as man as as what the fans know as a player. Yeah. Um, I obviously watched him as as a player as as you know, as a young kid on <clears throat> on the terraces and 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 see you know the team that played in your white kit and bits and pieces that then led on to 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 later years. But um, yeah, he was he was a fantastic man first and foremost. Uh, I loved mm. him as a person. Um, we got on really well, and um, you know, obviously, sad that that he's gone. But um, yeah, well, I like to talk into it, talk about him you know, as his, as a as his, as a person rather than about his football ability. I think he was a he was a lot better player than he was given credit for. Obviously, mm. he stayed at Millwall, and I think if he would have had. Um, I don't know whether he had the opportunities, but you know, he it was rumoured that he had chances to leave the club, but he didn't. But I think he would have been successful in in higher in higher division clubs. And uh, but I mean, for me, first and foremost, he was a great man. That's brilliant, mate. It's brilliant to hear. You come through the youth system. What other players come through that we would know? With you? Well, the year above me in youth, in youth football was Keith Stevens, a year a year older than me. Um, yeah. The year. I think there was a year, or not, if not two years below me, was Teddy, Neil Ruddock. So those sort of that sort of age group, um, there weren't a lot of us that actually sort of progressed, but they were the, they were the, they were the main ones. Andy Massey was a little bit older and played in, obviously, uh, you know, was involved with that that team that won the FA Youth Cup. So I was on the back end of playing with some of those in the first team. So Paul Roberts, Paul Robinson. Peter Glazier, you know, all those, so Alan McKenna, um, Chris Dibble, all those players that, <clears throat> that come through the youth system in front of me um, and were involved really with Bob Pearson um, setting up that youth team system and, and they, were, they had great success with that team. Mm. Um, and they were a fantastic youth team, but that really um, a lot of those players never fulfilled their full pot potential, should yeah. have gone on to have fantastic careers. Some did. Terms of, of Kevin O'Callaghan and and uh, Dave Memmitt and those sorts of players, but some you know some didn't fulfil and they they really should have done. 
Mm. You mentioned him there at the beginning, and of course, over the years, you go on to have a very close, long-term relationship, working relationship, and I'm sure you were close friends as well. Keith Stevens, do you remember the first time you met the Rhino? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we obviously, we same thing, we, we grew up through the youth team systems. Yeah. So it's hard to put, to put a first meeting on it, but because we were... We were often around training. He obviously he lived out in, in sort of Wimbledon area out that way. So um, obviously we weren't we weren't mixing closely in terms of where we lived, but certainly when we trained, we were always in and around each other. And when we went through the youth systems, um, he'd made his debut in front of me. So he was, you know, he was always he was that year older, a bit more established, but you know, eventually sort of ended up playing in the same teams together, mm-hmm. um, right away from youth team football, reserve team football, and then into the first team. Brilliant. And you make your first team, well, you get into the first team, you turn pro in 81, is that right? Yeah, 81. I was just back in 17, just turned 18. So Barry Kitchener was caretaker manager. Because yeah. I looked into it and I thought, oh, hang on, he was even there before George Graham. So I looked and I found yeah. the name Peter Anderson. I thought, was Peter Anderson the manager? Peter, Peter Anderson was the manager was, as well. Yeah, Peter Anderson was a player manager. Yeah. He was the one that actually signed me pro. Oh, okay. um, he'd come back, you're showing your age now, by the way, that you well, don't, I was, you don't I remember. Was one, I was one in 1981. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember Peter Anderson. Peter Anderson um, was a league player in England. Mm. Then went to out to America, and he actually came back from America to manage Millwall. Um, a debatable whether, whether he had a successful time of it, but he did come back. Um, he was then relieved of his duties. It happened. Happened. He was af- actually, I think, given the sack, and it was a Saturday morning, and we were playing a youth team game. Um, on the Cup bypass, funny enough. Um, yeah. We played a youth team game there and we, play, we played a, a, a sports ground now. And when the game finished, all of a sudden there was a you know, sort of big stir and, and it was like, Kitch, get back to the ground as quick as possible because there was a first team game that afternoon at the den, at the old den. Right. And um, so he actually managed the youth team game in the morning and then went and took the first team in the afternoon because Peter Anson had been given the sack. So mm-hmm. he then took over as first team manager. We played a youth team FA Youth Cup game in the week after or two weeks after uh, on a Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And then on a Saturday, we actually played Lincoln away um, in the old third division, I think it was then. Yeah. Uh, Lincoln were top of the league and it was actually on on match of the day on a Saturday evening as like the league game league game because Lincoln That's a random one yeah it was because Lincoln were top of the league oh, and uh, were a very good side at the time we went there under with Kitch as the caretaker manager we actually got beat but that was um, I made my debut there um, and Kitch you know lasted for as long as he did I can't remember how long he was, he was actually mm-hmm. caretaker and then George Graham came became First team manager. Yeah, so that, that was the start of George, you know, sort of into his managing career. Yeah, what was he like, George? I love George. I've, he, he was he was excellent for for Millwall. He was excellent for my my career because I learned a lot a lot from him. Actually, the yeah. first his first <laughs> his first act of of coming into Millwall. I mean, I just made my debut. Um, 
and his first act was to drop me because <laughs> I was a, a sort of skinny 18 year old kid and uh, I just I think he, he just thought he needed we were we were nearly bottom of the league mm. I think he felt that we needed um, more than giving young kids debuts if I'm honest yeah and looking back on it now it was probably the correct decision um, and over the course of the time he was at Millwall, he actually he set the he set the sort of um, the wheels in motion for us. You know, a few years later mm-hmm. under John Dot, I believe to get get promoted. And but it mm-hmm. started with George Graham taking over at the club. Yes, yeah, so when it did take over, so you you say you you were a skinny eighteen year old, we struggling yeah. at the wrong end of what would be now League One. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah. Looked like for, for a minute we was going to go out of the league. You mentioned there a uh, game against Lincoln. I thought you were going to tee yourself up for, for your uh, goal you score because <laughs> I checked been on the old Mill history stats today. 1982-83, your breakthrough season probably. Yeah. Played three games. You scored two mm-hmm. goals. Not bad for a centre-half. Yeah, well, uh, when I made my debut, I was playing centre midfield. That was, I, that did, was I did the, wonder because when I, this, when I looked this morning on these stats, you see you come on like a number eight or for through yes, midfield. Yeah. And I thought... Right, yeah. Started out at a midfield in the as a midfielder. Then the midfield player, yeah, yeah, yeah. Made me debut alongside Andy Massey, funny enough, at Lincoln. Oh. And um, yeah, we played. We 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 eventually Lincoln was funny because we eventually played in the I think it was called the Football League Trophy then, okay. and we were played away to Lincoln um, on a freezing cold, pouring down a rain uh, Tuesday Wednesday night. Um, and we went there, and if it had been a league game, the game would have been called off. The pitch was waterlogged, it was freezing cold, but we, as Millwall, we took thousands of supporters up there, and I think the Football League just thought, we've got to get this game played. Um, <laughs> don't, don't want him and, back in twice. No, don't want him back there twice, yeah. Um, you know, it was, it, was the, it was the final of the, of the... I don't even know... I think I don't know why it was at Lincoln and not on Millwall, whether it was two legs. But anyway, we ended up winning the game, and that was, you know, one of the early successes. Um, and George was manager there, so um, he set sort of standards and set principles and the and the way we played. He started to change the team. Um, prior to him coming, we had you know players of Sam Allardyce, um, yeah. Alan West, Willie uh, Willie Carr. Um, you know, those sorts of players who, with due respect to them, um, was probably coming to the end of their career. Yeah, yeah. And he he sort of recognised the fact that they weren't what he wanted as, as manager. And that led to him signing, um, you know, a whole, whole heap of players, including um, Dave Kuzak, Anton Atlikowski, Steve Lowne, Steve Lovell, um, Dean White. And... They, you know, he, he made some really successful signings, and then we and we managed to, you know, he managed to turn us around as as footballers and as a club, um, and we were, yeah, you know, relatively successful. We managed to, we sort of stayed up in he, when he was first there, and then we managed to get promoted on the last day of the season at Chesterfield, um, and you know, I think the club itself went from strength to strength under him. That then led to him getting that obviously that job at Arsenal. Awesome job, yeah. You mentioned there Sam Allardyce. I did, I did have him in my notes. So did you play with Big Sam, or you would have been a youth team player? Yes, I, first... I, I, I played just with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was just, he was just on his way out. <laughs> <laughs> just, just nicely ready, poised for you to take over. 
So yeah. obviously, like Allardyce, you have any dealings with him? I just just fascinated. Well, I, I did. Uh, I mean, I'll get I'll get on well. I'll, I'll get on well with Sam. I mean, when um, when I was I was out of work for a period of time in football, um, I'd done some I'd done some scouting for him eventually okay. when he was still at Bolton. Funny enough, he uh, tried to help me. Yeah, back in the day. So he tried to try to help me when he could. I haven't spoken to him for a good few years, but um, yeah, well, I mean it. He was he was a he was a good man. It, no, there's no there's no um, hard feelings. I wouldn't imagine on terms of him at Millwall. I mean, we all come to the end of our careers at some stage or other, and, and I suppose Millwall wanted to sign him. He, he you know it was a it was a contract for him, and he came and played. But um, I think you know George George recognised that there was a you know at least half of that team, three quarters of that team, were not what was required with him and the way that he wanted to play. Um, and and no one could argue with it. I don't think at the end of the day because the signings that he made. I mean, I, I, was, I was talking to a group of friends the, the other day about it, and um, you know, some of them said, you know, it, it was it's hard to it's hard to pick a player that was a a bad signing that he made. Mm. If, you, if you you know, Millwall supporters look back and think about the players that he signed, were any of them you know poor signings? <clears throat> Probably argue no. Some other players, I always like to do this, you said you, uh, that I like to pick out some obscure players, just some players I don't know a lot about, I'm just interested in. Laurie Madden, who, who's, who's that? Laurie Madden, yeah, Laurie Madden was at, at Cholton. Um, he was, he was, he was, a, he was a, 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 I say this in nicest possible terms, he was a strange, strange lad, well I say lad, he was older than me, but strange person in many respects because he was very, very intelligent. He was a, if I remember rightly, he was like a university graduate. Or, oh, really? And he he was he was well read, um, very highly intelligent, and um, obviously we were a bunch of scallywags from the lower leagues. And um, you know, he came to me. Well, he was good lad, great lad. You know, I mean, good as gold, and um, but just slightly different to to all of us that were what we were at the time at the club. Yeah, I just picked him out randomly because he played he played a lot of games that season, and also yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dean Neal, top scorer, 25 goals. Dean Neal, Dean Neal yeah, yeah. Dean Neal, Dean Neal uh, he had a younger brother, John, as well, who was a year... He was Teddy Sheridan's aide, funny enough, and he played... he come for the youth system for a while. Uh, made a, I think he, he made a, a couple of first-team play uh, appearances. Uh, Dean was a good lad, good player. Um, again, did well initially under George, but then mm-hmm. fell out with, with George and, um, and sort of just moved on um, at the time. But... Yeah, did did well for Millwall, um, and um, it was it was a period of change <clears throat> until until George got the players in that he wanted, and that and he felt could do the job for him, mm. um, and then it all settled down, and uh, you know, sort of, in my eyes, went from strength to strength. Well, spot on, mate. Yeah, exactly that. See my notes there. I said, you know, just about avoid relegation. Yeah. You're just coming into the fold. Then a couple of seasons later, fast forward eighty four, eighty five, you're an established first team player. We win promotion. Yeah, we did. We did win promotion. It was, you know, it was it was tough going, and and <clears throat> you know, I was, I was actually say I was established. I was sub at the last game of the season when we went to Chesterfield and come on and um, and and won one nil with Dave Kuzak penalty. I can remember it going in now, but um, <clears throat> it was you know that that sort of it, it felt like we were progressing every season, mm. and it felt like there, you know you could see we were getting better. We understand he was a great coach, George. You know everything that he did at Millwall 
<clears throat> George Graham was the youth team manager at QPR. And I knew him from, from that day because our youth, uh, we obviously played in the same league. And I think Kitch was was first, uh, was youth team manager against George Graham's QPR wow. sides at the time. So I played against his teams at youth team level. But when he came to Millwall, he had, a, he had a, an idea of the way that he wanted to play. And I think that was born out of um, what he'd seen under Terry Venables to a certain degree at QPR. I think at the time, I, if I, I'm, I'll stand corrected if I'm wrong there, but he learned a lot of principles about the way that he wanted to play. And um, he brought them to Millwall. Mm. And the, the guys that he signed bought into that system, as well as sort of Rhino, myself, and the players that were already at, at the club, the youth team players, you had to, you had to buy into it. Otherwise, you didn't have a future under George, to be quite <laughs> honest. So... Um, but we all did because we saw it working mm. from the moment he came through the door. You know, once he got the players that he wanted, we saw that his system of play worked, what he asked us to do worked. Mm. And it was funny then when he left and went to Arsenal to watch Arsenal play because Arsenal did exactly the same as we did. Mm. They played exactly the same system, you know, obviously... Slightly better players, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but they bought into it as well. And yeah. you could see that they they knew the system was right, what he was telling them was right, and then they started to win to win trophies and, and improve themselves. Yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of players say this on on various other podcasts that mm. doesn't matter how much of a disciplinarian the manager might be how sometimes mundane the, the the drilling in of the training could be, as long as you can see results. You're all over yeah, it. Yeah, yeah we, we used to do a lot of repetitive training in terms of, of term, George, George's teams played 4-4-2 um, and we would basically, um, we, we, would, we would train with a back four, a goalkeeper, a back four and two centre midfield players and he would then get the reserves, a reserve 11 team, uh, uh, you know, a full side to try and score. And we ended up being so good, we'd be able to play with six outfield players against 10, and they wouldn't even get near, near the goal. It really? Was, it was crazy. It was silly. They'd have a couple of passes, and it'd just go astray. And, but Arsenal was set up exactly the same way. Yeah. And you could see, if you'd played under his systems, you could tell what he had done and um, implemented at Millwall. He'd mm. taken to Arsenal and he implemented with good players, better players, exactly the same system. And it worked. It worked wonderful. You said there it was always a flat back four, and you could play six against ten. There was no getting through. You. What predominantly was that back four? Oh, in that, in in that in them days. Uh, oh, you asked me questions now. Dave Kuzak was one of the centre halves. Uh, we've had David Stride at left back, probably, possibly Keith Stevens at right back. I don't know who played alongside. Dave Kuzak, to be quite honest. Um, so at this point, you're, you're still a midfield. You're still a holding midfield player. Yeah, point. I was still playing in midfield because obviously, Joe. I think just George thought I was too, uh, too slight at the time to play at centre half. If I'm honest, right. to start with, after I think after his first season, I then started to to play in more in more defensive roles and play at centre half for him. If I'm honest, so um, yeah, again, I think he he, he tried to make the right decisions 
obviously for the football team and the football for the club, but also for me as a as an individual. Um, yeah. I think he felt, you know, playing in midfield got me playing first team football to start with, yeah. um, got me used to the pace of it and and sort of playing against proper men at the time. Obviously, he was in the lower leagues, and um, and then and then slowly I, I worked my way backwards and went, and ended up at centre half. And yeah, and the team went forwards. It was a a question I wanted to ask you because. So you, you started out, as, a, as I say, you said yourself, a skinny 18-year-old kid playing, holding midfield, just avoiding relegation. Yeah. And then you end up going through the leagues with a team. Before you know it, you, you know, you're a top player in the top division. Was you always at that sort of level or did you think it was just a, a strength thing for you? Or did you progress? Well, to jump, George? Yeah, well, I, I, felt, I felt more comfortable playing at centre-half, I've got to be honest, because yeah. I think part of my strength of my game was, was sort of reading, reading the game. I wasn't I wasn't the quickest. I, I wasn't the best in that in the air, um, but I could read the situation. I could read the game. So you know, and that was again moving on from from George to Doc John Doherty. Mm. Um, he understood the strengths of certain in, individuals, but he knew what he had inherited from George Graham in terms of the system. So when Doc came in, he played four four two with two wingers, two battling centre midfield players, but everyone in that team complemented each other. Um, he recognised that. And he, he, his idea was we were a team. We might not have been this argumentative whether we was the best individuals that ever played for Millwall, but mm. we, I believe we were certainly the best team that's ever played for Millwall as a mm. collective. And that was... Definitely um, part of John Doc's ethos that we were a team, and um, even the guys that weren't, you know, in in the in the squad, uh, sorry, in the team, but were squad players. Um, loved. He was a great man manager, John Doc. Brilliant mm. at it, and he he got everyone on his side, everyone on on board in terms of what we were trying to achieve, uh, and ultimately. You know, it, it was very successful. Yeah, it was, mate. It was. I, I can't remember. I think it was Alan Walker. It might have been, or someone before that said exactly the same. George, brilliant tactician mm. and coach, but John Dot was an unbelievable man, motivator and uh, uh, manager. Absolutely fantastic. Him, him, and Frank McClintock were were perfect for each other. Frank took a lot of the training as well. Um, you know, probably Monday to Thursday, Frank would take the training. And right. then John Duck would come in and add these bits on a Friday. Um, but anyone that was in that team would run for a brick wall for John Duck, and they would still would now. They love we loved him as as a person. Yeah. Um, he used to drive you around the bend with his stories sitting there. But you know we would. He would he would just develop that team spirit. He would he loved he loved us all being together. He'd, he'd make us sit down and have a have a beer together actually make us sit down yeah. even in a defeat he'd say right well, i want to see everyone in the players bar have one beer and then he'd say right well, you can go now but he just wanted us all to be together and you know that that team spirit you know held us in good stead a lot of the time in that in that season we got promoted and you know most of those lads we're all still in touch with each other now so um yeah. you know i think that that says volumes for it yeah definitely just, we, we sort of discussed the transition between the two managers, but mm. just, just we covered just quickly George leaving. 
obviously after promotion. Was was the writing on the wall? Was you expecting it? Was you I think upset? I think yeah, there'd been there'd been rumours about Arsenal, obviously with his association there anyway. Yeah. Um that um he was, you know, he was he was up for the job and he was, you know, he was gonna go. Um and it was no surprise really. I mean, all of us that worked with him knew you know how good a coach he was. You know, he, mm. he was he was he was just an out he was an outstanding, outstanding coach, discipline. He he was very hot on, but he also he liked to, the you know the team spirit side of things and got and and, the, and again the lads that he brought into the club would say the same thing about him that he was very you know he was very strict and you you did what he 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 wanted in terms of playing the system on the pitch, but. Um, you know, he, he was he was he was good as gold off the pitch as well. I mean, I had no problems with him. I like yeah. George, and, I, and I've got a lot of time for him. Um, and I believe he 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 you know, started me really on, on my career going forward in in, in football. And um, I lot, got a lot to thank him for as long as well as John Dock, because obviously, you know, that was probably the, the highlight of club football for me um, yeah. was at that time that period under John Docky. It's almost perfect execution isn't it, from from the board and the chairman. I don't know it was at when 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 Reg Bird before that, wouldn't it? But mm. to get George Graham in when we'll be struggling like we were, to give him the job, and then the transition. You know, George leaves the club. You never, you know, you never usually see a mill manager leave the club to go on to better things, do no. you? And then hand no. the reins over to Doc. That's that's a good bit of recruitment from higher up. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I I'm not hundred percent sure how, how George got the job. If I'm perfectly honest. Um, yeah. But I know Bob Pearson had a lot to do with John Doherty getting the job. Mm. He was very close to the chairman. He may have he may have even had you know a word about George because obviously George was managing at youth team level. Bob Pearson was head of the youth, t- you know, the, the what they call the academy now, yeah, the yeah. youth system at Millwall at the time. He basically run it run single handedly under under Bob Pearson, and um, so he may have known about George then, but. You know, he arrived at the football club, but he certainly had, he he had worked with John Doherty and knew John Dock from Brankford. Uh, and that's where he eventually arrived from with Frank McClintock. And um, I think it's fair to say most of us that were there at the time under John Dock probably didn't know too much about him, if I'm yeah. perfectly honest. And uh, we went, I met him, first met him one pre-season. He arrived before the season started. Um, and again, he, he was he was sensible and, and intelligent enough to 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 know what he had inherited. Mm. Um, I don't know if he'd seen the play. I'm quite sure he had, but I think he just built on on that. And he did similar to to George Graham in many respects. <clears throat> he he was lucky enough. I, I suppose the board gave him some money to to spend and and. You know, he brought in the likes of Tony Cascarino, Terry mm. Erlock, brought Kevin O'Callaghan back to the club, um, <clears throat> Steve Woods. So, you know, we we were able to 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 bring a new influx of players into the club, and mm. you know, just develop on, on the existing what we already had. Exactly, so, mate. You, you're doing so well. You, you're quoting my notes. <laughs> I'm Literally doing all your notes in. Four of the six players I've got written there. See, it's perfect. The less I say, the better, mate. You, you remember everything. So fair play to you. Thanks for coming on. So, yeah, so George leaves 85, 86. Doc has one season, 86, 87. And then, obviously, the historic one, 87, 88. And I've got there Terry Erlock, Brian Orms now, the keeper instead of Paul Sampson. Callie comes back. Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Um, 
some some group with it, some togetherness. Yeah, well, as I said earlier, I I believe we were the best team that played has ever played for Millwall. Mm. I would, you know, I would argue with anyone that we, on our day, we would beat any other any other Millwall eleven mm. um, that uh, played. Just he he again. The, there's an argument to say we weren't, you know, in every single, you know, in every single position. Is has Brian Orm been the best ever goalkeeper for Millwall? Probably not. Were me and Steve Wood the best centre halves that have ever played for Millwall? You know, arguments. No, no. left back, centre midfield, centre forwards. Yeah. You know, all over the pitch. But as an, a collective eleven, I think we had the best system. We had the best manager. And we were the best team that played, and um, yeah, we just we just we enjoyed each other's company. Um, most of us, well, virtually all of us were Londoners, uh, you know, born and bred within certainly in the south of England, southeast of England, um, and we it just it just worked, it just mm. clicked. All the players that came into the club um, were really good lads and and got on well with a with a you know, existing guys. Uh, and we just all talk to each other. And as I say, um, we're, we're all still friends now. And we, we all still on WhatsApp and, and have a meet, you know, meet up once every year or once every two years, still see each other now. So, um, you know, it was a great time. And I think all the, all the, all the lads look back on it and, and go, yeah, that was a, that was a really good period in our careers, you know, whether, you're talking about myself or whether it's Teddy Sheringham or whether it's Terry Erlock, you know, we've all, you know, whoever it might well be, we've all got fond memories of that, of that time in our careers. Mm. And I can back you, mate, when you say you're all still friends now, because I've got, got your number of one of your golf buddies, Alan Wall. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. You know, at the back there, at one point, you know, young Dave Thompson coming through, Steve Wood, you mentioned, yeah. yourself, Alan Walker. Did Rhino play centre half at points as well? Because Danny Salmon was now coming in at right back. Yeah, uh, I mean, by and large, it you know, with all due respect to everyone else, by and large, uh, I got injured right at the start of the season. Yeah. So uh, Alan Walker played with Steve, Steve Wood. Right. Once I got fit and and you know sort of started playing, Doc put me back in the side. And now the regular partnership would be me and Steve Wood, and then I'd rattled yeah. off the team where it'd be. Orney in goal, Rhino at right back, me, Woody, Nicky Coleman, and then Callie on the left, Jimmy on the right, Les and, and Terry in the middle, and Teddy and Cass. And, you know, most people that watched that season or those two or three seasons, that would be the team that they would rattle off, if I'm honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, it took, it, it took a while um, for that season where we went up for me to... to get that you know, relationship with Woody in the team because I got injured right at the start of the season. I think mm -hmm. we would have played you know, more games through the season together, but I got injured, in a, I think, in a League Cup game at Orion. And um, so that sort of, I missed a fair chunk of the first few months. So, mm. um, yeah, but again, that, that team just seemed to, to click, seemed to gel, and the system that we played suited, suited those players. Yeah, we had a very good side, mate. But there was one player I didn't mention. It's not always about the strikers, but you need goals. Teddy Sheridan yes. gets joined, of course, at the club by Tony Cascarino. What yeah. a partnership that was. So I'm, I'm sort of eight years old now, nine <laughs> years old. I'm sort of, this is the first team I remember. So it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I've got 
I've got mate, a couple of mates who are the same, you know, sort of your age, say the same thing. You know, I'm mates with them, and one of them in particular don't even remember me, me playing. You know, oh. he'd never see me playing. That, that sort of thing, very vague memory of that side and that team. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, as, as, as I alluded to earlier, Cass came into the club, and if you were picking two, two players to play together, you'd probably go... Well, then two big lumps up front can't play together. Mm. But because of the system, the way that we played and the understanding, they were both intelligent footballers um, yeah. and Doc coached our side in a, in a way that they knew what was going to happen. The players that were doing it knew what was going to happen. You know, by and large, we tried to get it forward as quick as we could into them too because they were dangerous. We'd get it wide. And when the wide players got the ball, they were going to cross the ball. Yeah. And the two centre forwards get in the box. And there was no messing around in terms of a million passes. And, you know, like you see now on, on modern day football, it's yeah, too it's, much now, mate. It's you too get much. to the yeah, get to the byline and look like they can cross the ball, and they'll turn around and come back, and the goalkeeper ends up with the ball. Right. Well, in our team, if a if a winger had the ball, he'd try and take the full back on and cross it. And if he couldn't cross it, he'd roll it back to the full back and he'd cross it. And the two centre forwards knew that. Yeah. So they were they were prepared for it, and that was that was the coaching. That was good coaching from Doc mm. and Frank. Um, and that is an art of coaching, I think. If you can set a team up, you know whether they're the best individuals or not. Sometimes eleven best players are not the eleven best or not the best team. Yeah. And um, we we, you know, I happen to think a lot of those players would be in the best eleven that's ever played for Millwall anyway. But we knew what, what the system was mm. and the players understood it. And when we started winning games, you know, we uh, then that just inspired the confidence as well. Mm. Switching up a little bit, same sort of theme, but different team, different manager. I see a lot of, I watch a lot of old 80s, you know, uh, documentaries and stuff about Brian Clough and they just said, he, it was so simple. You fucking edit, you give That's it to it. it. You get it yeah. wide, you cross it, you score the goals. Yeah, yeah. And like you say, modern day football, mate. I wanted to see more football at Millwall and mm. not just Millwall, but watching it on telly, it's driving me fucking mad. It's, it's been massively overcomplicated. What would a what would a John Doc typical team talk be before a game? Same thing. I mean, it, it, it would it would be about organization, pretty pretty similar to, to George Graham in many respects. Organization. Um and as I said. Nowadays, a lot of the football is, is sort of, let's have a million passes through the centre of the pitch. Mm. Football in general has changed. So yeah. this isn't just Millwall or, or, but over the course of years, it, it, it's just changed, developed. I don't know, what, you know how you want to describe it. But we, when we played, it was, it was, let's get the ball wide, get a winger one-on-one against the fullback, take him on and cross the ball. And, John Doc's philosophy really was the more chances you create, the more, more opportunity you got to score goals. If you only create two chances a, go- a game, you've only got two chances to score, mm. you know, and you've got to have the top strikers in the world to convert two chances and um, perhaps win 2-0. You know, we, <clears throat> we'd like to think we create 10, 15 chances a game. <clears throat> now, if you miss... You know, three quarters of them, 20 chances, you know, you might be end up winning 5-0 or, 
you know, something you got more chance of, of winning games mm. by creating more chances. And I think that was the f- philosophy. It, it kept, kept it simple. Um, again, you know, it, it's not a complicated game in many respects. No. Um, us as defenders just knew, <laughs> keep the ball out the back of the net, stop them from scoring, give it to, give it to forward thinking players. And let them go forward, and um, you know, by and large, it worked. Yeah, well, it did work, mate. Promotion. Let's talk a little bit about the running. Bournemouth away, Stoke at home, two 0 Go on, keep drinking your beer. I'll, I'll drag it out. Hole, <laughs> <laughs> hole away on the final. Well, the, the promotion day, and then obviously Blackburn at home, the, the party, but the but the wrong result. Yeah, what was it the was. Into um, all that. Yeah, it was a it was a funny thing because we had a. I mean, you'd probably be out, you might be, if you've got that run in there, but we had a team meeting with, I don't know if it was over 12 or 13, 13 games to go. Mm. And John Dock sat us down in the dressing room at the old den, in the own dressing room now. And he sat us down and he went, I'll tell you now, he said, I'll guarantee if we go unbeaten to the end of the season, we will go up, we will get promoted. And we all went, oh, he went, don't lose a game to the end of the season and we will get promoted. That was the start of the run. We went away to Leeds and beat, beat them as well in that run. And we got promoted the second last game of the season, never losing in, during that run. Mm. And we lost the last game of the season to Blackburn. It didn't Job, matter. Was Job was done. Yeah, it didn't matter. And that, that, he, he saw that. He mm. sat us down and said, just do not lose. He didn't say win every game. Yeah. He said, if we m- make sure we don't lose, because he knew more often than not, if we were in the game and we weren't losing, we might, because of Teddy, Cass, Callie, Jimmy, George, Lawrence, whoever was playing, they'd come up with the goods to maybe even nick us a win 1-0. If it was still 0-0, you know, we'd, we'd somehow eke out a goal to... We weren't dominating games and winning, you know, relatively comfortably. We would nick a, nick the games, mm. and and by and large, that's what we did. We managed. We stayed unbeaten um, until it didn't matter anymore. Mate, what would you, what would you say? Like, you know, if you could go back as as getting promoted, going back to eighteen year old you, just coming through the youth team, a team that's struggling at the wrong end of League One, and say you're going to be a Premier League player. Well, what would be now the Premier League player in four yeah. or five years? What what would you have said to yourself? No, I mean, you, we obviously wouldn't, you, I wouldn't have believed that when, when George Graham walked into the club or mm. when I signed pro under Peter Anson, I wouldn't have believed that for, for, you know, for anything in the world. But, you know, as soon as, as soon as you start progressing and you get a bit of success, it just breeds a bit more success, a bit more confidence. You know, and that season, as I say, you know, I'm a supporter myself, but all my mates and all supporters and what we was able to do, I just like to think that what I was able to help in achieving mm. with, you know, my teammates and getting me all into the old first division, Premier League. And that enables my mates to watch Millwall in the top division and go to them grounds. And the, the feeling that was for them, mm. the feeling that was for us as players, running out on the pitch just to warm up in the game, you know, Anfield or Old Trafford and seeing the Millwall scores there was was you know outstanding it was brilliant mm. um, and to be able to you know, be part of that was, was great 
Mate, again, my, my next notes there says, what was the hype and expectation, not just around the club and the, and the players, but the fans as well? It was buzz time around Bermondsey, wasn't it? Well, it was, yeah. I mean, and the thing, and the, and the mad thing about it now, if you think about, you know, Sky and, and the coverage that's on the telly now, you know, we, we went top of the league. Mm. It was actually top of the Premier League, if, you know, as, as, it, as it stands now. And, you know, no one, no one would have expected that of us then, but certainly, you know, I don't, I don't even, I'm not even sure. I don't know. I don't even know how you'd equate that now to what team that might go up because they've all been in the Premier League before. You got you got to remember we'd never been up there either. So I don't know. I don't or, know or, how... or even look like getting there at any point. No, and I don't, I don't know. I don't know what team I'm thinking of in even in the Championship where you go. You know that that was like us. That yeah. we, we, you know, we did that. I don't know whether Norwich or someone like that, but they've been in the Premier League for a few years. But yeah. you know, I know the likely's going to go back this year. But um, well, like it was just an out- like Yeah, it was just an outstanding time, you know, for us, us to be up there. Uh, but we, <laughs> we didn't have any fear. You know, we mm. went away to to Anfield and we're leading one nil and drawing, and and we, and the thing was we took. You know, even our first game of the season was against Aston Villa in the, yeah. in the old first division. And we were 2-0 up against them, away from home. We ended up drawing that game 2-0. But they, they'd come up with us. So to us, it didn't really feel like uh, a, a, a first division or a, champ, a, a yeah. Premier League game. And then, you know, sort of as we started playing the teams that, you know, we'd all seen on the telly, then all of a sudden it started becoming, you know, real and... Um, but it didn't affect us because we kept them going to games, you know, to grounds and to, and we kept them winning. <laughs> and we, no. we got ourselves at the top of the league. Yeah, and a very, a very respectful 10th place finished. You- yeah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Want to pick out any highlights from that season? No, I don't know. I think it all blurs into one fan in Africa when you're playing. You know, obviously, the Anfield game away sticks in the memory because um, for... for a different reason, I suppose, because we signed Paul Stevenson, um, yeah. and we we met him the night before the game. He, he signed from Newcastle, and we was obviously in Liverpool the night before the game in the hotel. And we got introduced to him in the hotel before the game, and then Doc went, "He's playing tomorrow," so we went, "Oh, right." And so you know, fair enough. We didn't know him. We've never yeah. probably never none of us ever seen him play. Um, <laughs> That's bad. And, that's a thing. That wouldn't happen these days, would it? No, it wouldn't happen these Sky, days. you know, everything about every player who's coming, who's going. Yeah. yeah, and he, um, and Jock went, he's playing tomorrow. He announced the team, he's playing. Right? I don't know what it was, quarter of an hour into his debut, he scores. Yeah. He scores at Anfield and we're 1 0 up at the, uh, you know, in front of the cop. So um, I remember it because of that, funny enough. But yeah. I just remember going, going to these games and our supporters being there and, and knowing what it meant to my mates. You know, they were they were chartering planes to fly to Liverpool and to Manchester and Newcastle, you know, all over no, but all over the country. They were you know, they weren't just getting on the train. They were they were loving it. It was like they wanted to experience it as well. And they was getting on aeroplanes and things like that. Like, hang on, we got to fucking sit on a coach for seven hours. How come no. you to go on a plane? <laughs> Well, we, we travelled on the coaches. They went on the planes. That's what I said. <laughs> madness. Well, look, no one played more than you that season. 46 games you played. And I thought you was going to go with this. I didn't realise that. Exactly, yeah, but, with yeah, your yeah. highlight of the one goal. A 4 nil win against Newcastle. Newcastle. Was, was it yeah, a Yes, it was. Yeah, it was a volley, I'll show it to you one day. Next time I see you, I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> I, show, I showed it to I showed it to my grandson, funny enough, uh, a little while back, and um, I went, yeah, look, watch this. He knows I played football and bits mm. and pieces, and that he's sort of five, and he under, he's, he's old enough to understand. It. He's getting into his football now, and um, I said, yeah, look, watch this, and he went, oh yeah, towards the score. And, Oh, oh, that was it. And off he ran. That was that was the end of that. You know, it was a, let's get the ball out and have a kick around again. So, but well, um, for Millwall yeah. fans watching, for Millwall fans watching, I'm going to show it on the screen. So feel free to talk us through it. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember, I think Teddy knocked it down to me, and it was uh, just act of God. Friday with the free kick then, Sheringham's head, and there's McCleary. Alan McCleary gets his first goal of the season to give Millwall the lead. And he flew Some, past Dave Besant, who late, later on, played, uh, we, when me and Terry played for England, the B side, he was the goalkeeper, one of the keepers there. So we used to, uh, I used to pull his leg about that. But um, yeah, good, you know, just great times. I, I look back on some of the video and, and see some of the goals that were scored. Mm. And even in that, in that division, we played the same way. 
um, and created lots of chances and scored some really, really good goals. Yeah. Some quality, quality goals and, and played some good football. Mm. Well, unfortunately, mate, it didn't last. The 89 90 no. season wants to be our second and last mm. in the top flight. Yeah. Um, no wins in our last 10 games of the no. previous season. So as players, did you think we need to strengthen it? Because I've had other, other ex-players on the show that said the, probably the reason Doc got the sack, he was too long to, to the boys that got in uh, there. Yeah, I mean, you take the words out of your mouth, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. It was a combination, I think. The first year we was in the division, we were the new boys who, as I was saying earlier about um, not knowing either players or teams or... I think we were surprised and a shock to a lot of teams. They didn't expect us to be up there. Um, and the system, our system of play was was a surprise to them. You know, you read a lot and see a lot now on the telly about pressing from the front and the forwards closing down. And we we did that under John Dock and, and George Graham, to be perfectly mm. honest. Um, we did that how many years ago that was. And so that's nothing new. Um but we were a surprise in that first season. I think the second season, they knew all about us. They knew yeah. our style of play. And and yes, I mean, as, as much as we all love John Dock, it's one of the reasons that I think we failed ultimately at the end of that season was because I think he only brought in Paul Gullard, unfortunately. And then, um, mm. you know, perhaps, yeah, you know, even as a city now, you could say that John Dot was probably, you know, possibly too loyal to us for all mm. the good reasons, all the right reasons. I think. That just seems like the sort of man he was, though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good no, I mean, uh, good to you, and yeah, maybe, was... maybe he knew what was coming, but he, you know, he wanted to go down. Yeah, with it's, it's, I mean, it sounds, it sounds like criticism of him, and I've never criticised him because yeah. he was fantastic for me in my career. I love him to death. You know, you know, as much as I loved, you know, George Graham, I think he was probably the best coach. John Dot was the best manager that I, I, I played for, I think. Um, but, yeah, I mean, looking back now, as we can quite easily and say, you know, it was, it, that was probably didn't do us any favours that he was so loyal to us, put it like mm. that. Do you remember him? Do you remember the, you got the news? Do you remember the day that he was sacked? Uh, well, it, it was it was towards the end of the season, I know, because mm. then Bruce, you know, Bruce Riot took over and the, but it was rumoured once John Doc left it was rumoured that Bruce Wheelock was sitting in the stand at one of the games watching us really yeah so it, it was obviously lined up to mm. many respects that that was going to happen um, and then and then Bruce come in yeah just before Bruce did come in I just want to reference this because he obviously it plays a part going forward uh, Bob Pearson takes over for an amount of time and he yeah this is when we signed Malcolm Allen and Mick McCarthy. They signed on the same yes. day, I know, because Malcolm told me that. Um, yeah, is, that is that a bit of a strange one to, to not give... Did they not want to give Doc the money after Paul Goddard flopped? Why did they spend... Well, I just, I just think, as you said, we, we, we were on a poor, poor run. Yeah. Um, I just think... I, I don't know. I, I think that they... It's I, a strange I, one for, for, yeah. for a temporary manager to buy to be allowed to buy players, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it was... Um, yeah, and looking back on it, I suppose you're right. I mean, like, well, mm. both, both of those signings were, were decent signings at the, at the time. You know, Malcolm yeah. did well for us, so yeah. did Mick. So, um, you could say they were poor signings, but um, they obviously identified that 
we needed fresh, you know, fresh players into the team, mm. as well as you know, ultimately a new manager. Yeah. Okay. You, let's get on to him. So we spoke on the phone in the week, and you said, "For my sins, I've not seen your show." So. I'll just let you know that not many people get slagged off on this show, but one that has got slagged off by absolutely everyone that's come on is Bruce Rehock. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> well, well, let me put it like this. I ain't going to... I'm not going to spoil that record. Put it like that. <laughs> Sergeant Major Rehock, a lot of them call him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I try not to... I try not to, to, to criticise... Yeah, too many fair. people. I mean, obviously, I ended up being in that managing position. But yeah. um, no, I, I I got to say, me, me and Bruce didn't hit it off, um, to put it mildly. And uh, but that's fine. I've got no I've got no problems with that. Funny enough, he he actually I I think he actually liked me as a player. Well, you played you played fifty times in the ninety one yeah. ninety ninety one season, and I'm sure. I've seen videos. Wasn't you skipper at one point as well? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a strange thing because I didn't enjoy I didn't enjoy my time under him. Yeah. But he he always used to pick me. I was all you know. He he. I think I felt that he felt I was a valuable member of the team and wanted me in the side. Just that I didn't I didn't. So how did he manage to rub? If he liked you as a player and he made you skipper, how did he? Oh, manage yeah, to I mean, yeah, I, I, I wasn't a lover of the of his man management skills. As much as I said about George Graham and, and John Dock, who yeah. I enjoyed the way that they managed, I, I wasn't over enamoured with his man management skills. Put it like that. Mm. Um, I think his intentions in terms of the way that he he wanted to play the game mm. were were fine. I think he, I think he, he, you know, it was difficult for him because we'd had two. Managers that played in the in the same vein, in the same way, and I felt he felt he'd come from Middlesbrough, mm. and he had a group of players there that John Docky inherited at Millwall. In terms of, he had a lot of players that come through the youth system, yeah. and were happy to buy into his way. When he came to Millwall, he had a team that had just come out of the first division or the or the Premier League, yeah, and. Yeah. We some of us were um, headstrong, like new. Yeah, you know, sort of. I don't know whether he was right. You know, a bit more experience and blah, yeah. whatever. And um, and that aligned with the fact I didn't I didn't really enjoy his, his style of management. Um, just made it difficult. Period. Yeah. Yeah, it's a strange one. You said earlier that um, Doc come in from George Graham, and he was he was intelligent enough and cute enough to think. I'm not going to, you know, I know what I've got here. Whereas Bruce come in and was like, no, 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 this is my way. Clean shaven, don't yeah. need it. Do well, exactly. That. I was just going to say. It changed the whole, the whole yeah. concept of, of Mill Football Club and it just yeah. didn't work. Well, well, that you was... know, first season, it did, didn't it? First season, it did work. And he brought well, in yeah. some players as well. Alex Ray, John Goodman, Paul Kerr. I mean, mm. we, watched, we, we played some nice stuff at times. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and that was the thing. That he, I think he knew what he was coming into and felt, I think originally he felt that he would let it ride. He wanted to do the right thing in terms of I've inherited this group of players. They've had some success. I'll mm. I'll run with it. And then we went through a period where we you know we lost games and bits and pieces. And then he thought, right now I'm going to implement my my rules, yeah. my conditions, and 
you know, sort of one day he come in, he said, right, from now on, every single day, because he'd come from a father that has been in the army. Yeah. And he had, he had that sort of discipline in, installed in him, which is, is perfectly fine. Um, but he came in every day. It was like, I want you clean shaven every day. And you will come in like trousers and a shirt as if he was working in an office and those sort of rules. And we've got, you know, a group of players, you know, Terry Erlock, myself, and, you know, Terry just have a shave once a week, let alone one every day. So I can't, I can't all, see Terry yeah. in a suit either. I just can't no, see him. In a and suit. then all you know, it, and it just it it started to create an atmosphere and a divide mm. that you know some people rebelled against or you know didn't enjoy, um, but others did buy into it. To be fair, I mean I've heard something an interview with Teddy not a while back on something else, and uh, he said he loved playing under under Bruce because he scored mm. a lot of goals. Yeah, but it's a dream season. season for Teddy. Exactly, about- yeah. So, you know, it, was, it wasn't all bad for all of us. So, yeah. you know, but for, for me personally, I didn't particularly enjoy it. Some good players come in as well. I said he signed some good players. Alex Ray, John Goodman from Bromley, Paul Kerr. I really like Paul Kerr, although randomly didn't say that, but we went to Paul Val after that. And we just yeah. missed out on the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, to be fair, John Goodman was. Had Sorry, to we do- made the playoffs, but we just missed out in the playoffs. Yeah. We lost the, obviously, John Brighton. Goodman had nothing to do with Bruce Rio. To be honest, no. that was that, that signing was made by Bob Pearson. Bob again, pure, pure and pure and simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Bruce Rio wouldn't have known John Goodman from from Adam because he signed him from Bromley. Bromley so yeah. Um, yeah, so you know, but again, take nothing away from him. He he he, he moulded a team there that you know he played some decent football. Yeah, and they say first season we, we almost bounced straight back. Second season. The wheels come off, despite him signing some, some more good players. I don't know if he's he responsible, as like you say, uh, Bob was. Colin Cooper, Chris Armstrong, yeah. uh, Ian Verveer's one. I always ask people about it. He fascinates me, E.T. Yeah, but then, I mean, obviously, he went massively wrong that second season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I, only, I know certain bits and pieces about who signed what, but, yeah, he made some, he made some good signings. He, uh, and, obviously, Colin Cooper, he knew from Middlesbrough. So, um, mm. yeah, it was just... If you enjoyed it, you enjoyed it. If you didn't, you didn't. Um, yeah, yeah. It, was, it didn't seem... I don't think knowing a lot of the players there at the time, there wasn't a lot of in-between. You either you either loved it or you hated it. Yeah, a bit like Brucey Marmite, we'll call him. Yeah. <laughs> we lost 6-1. I hope I've, I hope I've not gone against any of the others that have been on here. <laughs> uh, don't worry, you're, you're well following suit. You're well following <laughs> suit. You played the day, lost his job, a 6-1 defeat at Portsmouth. Did I? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I hope no one's pinning that on me. But <laughs> well, I don't think he was responsible by this point. I think the players had had enough of him. You know, it just yeah. weren't working, and that constant just has gone yeah, back. Yeah, I, I think. I think. Yeah, it was. It was. It, there was a build up. There was. Um, we enjoyed working with one of his coaches, was Steve Harrison at the time. We went on to then coach for England. This guy. Yeah, lots, lots. And he was he was an absolutely fantastic person. Yeah. Again, as I said about Kitch earlier, he was a great, a lovely man, funny man, but a really, really good coach. And when he when he got out on the training pitch, he, he would laugh and joke all day long off the yeah. pitch. As soon as he stepped over the line onto the pitch, you had to be very, very serious about your training with him. And he could flick a switch like that. As soon as the session was finished, that would be it. You'd laugh and joke again. And um he he actually was the reason that some players that may have left earlier mm. or fallen out with Bruce earlier 
didn't because of Steve Harrison in mm. many respects because he he saw that it was a difficult relationship in certain circumstances and, and jollied everyone along. So that's probably why he may have been either either over overplaying that role because he was trying to keep the peace. Yeah, and- possibly. I mean, he wanted to keep the peace. Yeah, and and you know, but I think that was, that was his nature anyway. Steve Harrison, mm. he was a, he's a he's a lovely man um, and a really good coach. And mm. um, yeah, you know, it was just that 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 time came and went. On, you know, as it was. So Bruce leaves. The players all rub their hands together. Big Mick takes over, puts himself forward. Yeah. So yeah, I mean... Yeah, before yeah. we went on, I, I, I looked at the record, your record under Big Mick. You didn't end up playing that much, but you said you, you, no. you got on really well with him. I did get on well with him, yeah, yeah. But I, I because of the way my season or seasons have been under Bruce Rioch, I started... I wasn't enjoying my football, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, and Mick, unfortunately, well, I don't know. He might say it was a blessing, but <laughs> Mick, unfortunately, was was the you know the loser in it because I then said you know I want uh, I asked to leave. Um, mainly, you know, I've, I've, I've never not want to play for Millwall in terms of of being there. I just wasn't in t- I wasn't enjoying my football, and you know I was finding it difficult um, to enjoy it. And I felt a change, you know, just I needed a change. And uh, to be fair to Mick, he recognised that. And um, Oh, so you actually said to Mick, I, I, I want to leave after Bruce Yeah, Wick. yeah, I just said, I just said I wasn't enjoying it. And, um, you know, I had the opportunity, that was sort of early, early season. I had the opportunity to sign for Celtic. Um, I spoke to Liam Brady, was manager at the time. And um, I spoke to Liam. Wow. Um, but... It, it was a sort of, it was before I think they've had a few quid or money invested in the club. And they were sort of, he said, come and play for me on this amount of contract. And I was already on the same contract at Millwall. And it, and it meant upheaval in terms of family, like of kids then, wife, and moving all the way to Scotland. And uh, Cass was up there, Kevin, uh, Kevin Sonny Cascarino, sorry, was mm. up there at the time. And he said, it's a, it's a unique place to play football, obviously the Celtic Rangers thing. And uh, he said, you've got, got to be, you know, 100% certain of it. And uh, I didn't move in the end, obviously. And then mm. that, that was you know, the reason I went out on loan. I went, went out on loan to Sheffield United and, you know, fun enough, played in the, in the very first Premier League game on, that, that played where Sheffield United beat Man United one, uh, 2-1. Oh, really? Brian Dean scored, yeah. I played in that game, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, right, so, so you went out alone a couple of times, and so you wanted to leave the club, and eventually you did. Mm-hmm. So I'd take a nice long swig of that beer. Yeah. And they'd tell <laughs> <Yes>. me. <laughs> I, I will, go on. Why are you in the Cholton? <laughs> no, I'm only joking, mate. It's all well, Cholton, as I said, in terms of leave, leaving, Cholton approached me. Mm. Uh, said they wanted to sign me, and they were local. Um, it meant I didn't have to move. Family were, you know, settled here, and um, it just it ticks it ticks all the boxes. If I'm yeah. perfectly honest, um, I was able to leave, um, and you know, I, I enjoyed my time. I was only there two seasons. Um, again, 
completely different kettle of fish to Millwall. Mm. It was a bit of a shock to the system, if I'm honest. What was? You, what, um, what, what did you? What did? I mean, listen. I, I completely get it. Right. If if I'm doing what I do here, and someone offers me the same money there, yeah. I haven't got to move my family. It's, it's, it's work. And a lot of people don't realise, don't no, no, accept no, yeah, that yeah. being a footballer is actually a job and you've mm. got to look after yourself and your family. But what was some of your friends and some of the fans yeah, to be, to I mean, to be, uh, to be fair, I think Mill supporters were sort of nondescript about it, if I'm honest. I think they just accepted I was going that, that, under that the radar. was it. I think, I think so, yeah. I mean, oh, the bully my, there. My, <laughs> my, my pals... <laughs> Didn't care less, if I'm honest about it. Oh, fair enough. Um, yeah, but I went now. It was a bit of a shock because, obviously, I'm used to the the reputation, put it like that, of Millwall yeah. and its supporters, which I enjoyed and, and I think hopefully thrived under. Um, went to Cholton, and it, they were the nicest club in the world. Nice mm. people, nice supporters, just a nice club. And it was... You know, and my wife would come with the kids and watch the game. She'd go, it's just a, a whole new, no one swears. No one it swears. Not, I mean, a mate of mine used to play for Fulham, all right? And he said, it's the, it was the best, for a, as a player, Yeah. if you want a bit of a jolly up, it's brilliant. Because no one, a, don't expect not, anything. Yeah. They don't have a go at you. Exactly. Just yeah. happy to be there. Yeah, I mean, it was, <laughs> wasn't wasn't a jolly up, but it was just the supporters. To say the supporters didn't swear at anyone. I, I used to think we're getting beat here, and, and no one's swearing. <laughs> I was used to it, you know what I mean? Or yeah, yeah, getting yeah. friends phone at me or something like that. But again, it was it was just a nice place, just a nice yeah. nice people. Curbs and Steve uh, Steve Grit and Alan Kerbsley, they were good as gold with me. They were fine. Um, it didn't work out, if I'm honest. I mean, uh, after two seasons. He said, we're not going to sign you. I got injured right at the end of the season and ended up leaving and signing for Bristol City under, under Joe Jordan. You returned to the club. How did that come about? Well, as, as you say, I, I went to Bristol City and um, I was there two years. Mm. And unfortunately, <laughs> I had two quite serious injuries when I was there. Mm. I um my first season there, I I did um I did my cruciate, so that that cur- curtailed the first season. I got myself fit and started the second season, uh, and then I, I don't know I don't know, even know why, but I was playing actually playing in the reserve game anyway. Yeah, and we were playing Crystal Palace. So Bristol City versus Crystal Palace at Plough Lane. So they were playing their reserve games at, at the old Plough Lane, old Wimbledon ground. And I went in for a tackle, and it, it seemed strange, but I, I sort of slid that way to slide in for a ball, and a, another guy slid that way, and I got there in front of him, and his foot hit me in the back, and I fractured f- four ribs and punctured my lung. Oh, in the reserve game, and uh, got carted off to St George's Hospital in in uh, Tooting, and I that, yeah. and I was out. I was out for I don't know three, maybe four months recovering, right. and I recovered back in London. So Joe Joe Jordan 
I've got the utmost respect for that man because he was absolutely brilliant with me and my family. Um, you know, I, I, I suffered that injury. Um, he was under pressure in terms of his job. And he mm -hmm. said, look, how he said, I'm not going to be able to re-sign you at the end of the season. He said, get yourself fit from this, you know, the broken ribs. He said, and, and we try and find you a, a club. Okay. okay. So after four months or so, I got myself fit, went back to Bristol, left the family in London and um, started getting fit, uh, played in a couple of games, then played in the reserve game yeah. for Bristol City away to, away to Southampton. And John Dock had gone, gone back to Millwall Yeah, second period. And he was actually watching the game with Bob Pearson. And it was, I think it's the first, my first game back after this injury. And um, after the game, I saw him and he went, he said, God, fuck me. He said, you're not fit, are you? <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said well, you're not I, played well. <laughs> I said, no, Doc, I'm not. I said, I've been out of four months. I think you know that. He went, yeah. He said, but I'm going to, I want to re-sign you. Come back to Millwall. But it was at the time they were going into administration or liquidation and so we had to try and rush it through, and we did rush it through with the help of a sort of businessman who was who was a friend of, of mine who contributed to the wages, I think paid my wages, because Millwall couldn't afford to, wow. to pay them. So he paid my wages, and I signed, and I think a day later, two days later, the embargo, they couldn't they couldn't sign anyone. I, I'm sure I spoke to Hawley on the phone, Brian Hawley yeah. said, yours went through, and he, but he yeah. didn't. That's it, and that's what happened. Yeah. It was that close. And I come back and, I, and yeah, I, I think I, I don't know, Millwall was struggling again. Funny enough, it was like full circle. Was you know, yeah. sort of Peter Anderson, George Graham, John Dot come back, and we were we were in the lower reaches of the Division One, I think, wherever it was, mm. and um, we're really struggling. And hopefully, uh, you know, people think I played a, a small part in, in keeping us up that season. And then, again, sort of went on from now. Yeah, it's a funny one. I was going to ask you because everything you've been through, you obviously you know, got strong emotional ties to the club to go for everything you did, see the club to get to where it was and you was a big part of that, to then leave, come back, the only you're back where we started other than in a, in a new stadium, but bang in trouble. Yeah, yeah we, were, we, were, we were struggling. And, um, you know, I think a lot of the recruitment, if I'm, if I'm perfectly honest, looking back at it now, wasn't... wasn't the best. Well, let me just tell you, can I just tell you, no fewer than 39 first-team players used that season. That first season, absolutely yeah. ridiculous. 39 first-team players used. Yeah. I'd like, I like, I like to see a poll of Mill supporters to see how many of them thought there was any good. <laughs> well, the thing is, you had, you had the old, you had some older heads in there. You had Mark Crossley come on loan for a bit. Yeah. Uh, Nigel Speak, Rhino's now an experienced pro, Andy Gray, Kenny Brown. But then you've got, as mad as it is that we're in this, this shit, shit heap, Robbie Ryan, Richard Sadlier, Mark Bertram, Tim Cahill, yeah. Stephen Reid, Paul Eiffel, and Neil Harris all. It's just, it's a that was, that time, was the thing I was talking about earlier in terms of, uh, again, it was like full circle with Doc. Mm. Those, those lads that we ended up then sort of progressing Manager. to the first team, yeah. Tim Cahill and all that group of players, they were still youth team players. So... They wasn't really involved. Rhino was reserve team manager, so he was actually coaching them. So it was it was a really a transitional period, mm. and 
all all the club want need you know want to do is survive and stay up if I'm honest at that and then reset again and I and I think fortunately they got Doc in to do it. Yeah. Um, and and we managed to do it. Yeah, we managed to stay up. It's mad that something so good can come from something so bad. Obviously that team that went on to again push us on later on. But we had to have that madness in the administration. Doc was only temporary, of course. It was Billy Bonds after that, wasn't Billy it? Billy Bonds, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Billy, Billy was Billy was good. I mean, uh, because I, I, I came in during that season, I, was, I, I wasn't 100% fit even through the back end of that season, although we stayed up. Mm. I came in early pre-season the next season and Billy had got the job. And I thought, I'd try and get an head start, get myself fit. Want to impress the new manager. Um get myself fit, went into the training ground one morning uh, and we weren't even re- reported back yet. It was, it, was a, it was a week or so, two weeks before we was reporting back for pre-season and Billy went, can I have a word with you? I went, yeah, all right. I sat in his office and he went, oh, he said, like, you're not one of me men. He said, I'm, I'm not going to fancy, I don't really want you. So I went, oh, he said, you know, I, f- I think it's best we part our ways. And I went, oh, I said, the thing is, Bill, I said, I've signed a new contract, signed a one-year contract. Mm. I said, um, you know, I've got a wife and kids to support. Uh, you know, I, I ain't got options, you know, I'm not queuing around the block to sign me, put it like that. How, how old were you at this point? Uh, I must have been oh, 30, 31, I suppose, 32, somewhere around that. And, uh, you know, and I just said, no, I, you know, I, I want to stay. He went, listen, he said, I would... You know, we'll have an agreement. He says, you don't call me, cause me no problems. He said, I'll, I'll be sh- straight down the line with you. I went, that's all I'm asking for. I said, but can I just say one thing to you? And he went, go on then. I said, I'll guarantee the first game of the season I'll be in your team. And he went, nah. okay. <laughs> he said, I like that. He said, straight away. He said, I like that attitude. I went, oh, I, said, I said, I'll know the players you got here, mate. I said, so... Uh, Oh no, I'm going to be in your team the first game of the season. And I was. And to be fair, we had a lot of respect for each other because of that. Yeah, yeah. He told me straight to my face that he didn't fancy me. And I've always remembered that, that that's 100% fine with me. So you want to hear, and, isn't it? Yeah, I've got absolutely no problems with that. If mm. someone tells you to honestly to your face, direct, um, absolutely no, no issues with that whatsoever. And to be fair to him, he was as good as gold for me with me throughout. I mean, he was there a year. Um, he was he was fine. Absolutely no no issues with Billy at, at all. Your um your last ever game for me, Will. Now I've lost track a bit now because I, I was pushed for time. So your last ever game as a player, if I've got this right, we draw two two at home to Barnsley at the Den. You scored both goals. I don't you're think you're, you're, you're telling me, yeah, you're telling me that now because obviously when when we became managers, yeah, we were we were we took the role as player managers, both of us, yeah, and and the re- and and the, the truth of the matter, the reason that we were titled as we were, Keith as manager and me assistant, because yeah, when we went we went and see um, Theo and Bob Pearson was there. Four of us sat down at Theo's house and he said, you know, he said basically between you two, work out who's going to be titled manager, who's going to be assistant. He said, right. but you're both still going to be registered as players. In the end, we couldn't decide. And we said to Theo, you decide. And he went, I'll give 
Keith, the manager's title, you the assistant. He said, and I'll tell you both why. He said, he said, because Rhino, you've been reserve team manager and you haven't been playing. He said, Alan, you're you're he said, I think you're gonna play more games than him. Yeah. He said, so that's purely the only reason why you're that title and you're that title, because I think you're gonna play more games this season. As it turned out, I think I only played two games that season. Yeah, and I don't know if, if one of one of those is that game. I, I probably not. But I play I think I played two games, Keith played two games, and that was it. Mm. We never played again. Let's talk about the getting the job. Um obviously when you went back to Mill, because when I thought oh, when you re-signed for Mill, was it sort of in the back of your mind? But not 30, 31, surely. Furthest thing from my mind was anything to do with um <clears throat> management, coaching, I, I I think once you get 30, 31, 32, you start thinking, you know, would I like to do that? Would I, you know, would I want to coach? And yeah, that's something that, that probably interests me because then it it keeps you involved in, in obviously the game. But management, no, I think that was that was just pure luck that we were in the right place at the right time. Um, Theo um, recognised, I think he recognised the fact that uh, we were we were we were brought up at the club. Obviously, we we had that um, schooling from George Graham, John Dock. We'd mm. play in a certain way, and we would have to use the youth team players that were yeah. that were so successful. Eventually, we would have to start blooding them. And to be fair, they stood. They they stepped up to the plate, uh, and you know we were, were fantastic for us. You know, they were a good bunch of lads. Reminds me very much of the team spirit that we had in our successful side. Mm. Um, it's something that we wanted to sort of install in them. And I, I I think a lot of those are still still mates now and still friends now, keep yeah. in touch. So, um, and hopefully that's rubbed off on them as well. But I think the way that they played and the way that they interacted together very much reminded me of, of our successful side. Theo mm. as well, knowing, well, seeing, not knowing him, seeing him from the telly, shrewd businessman. Obviously, if you two are already on the books and you're already getting paid as players, he ain't probably got a, you know... Yeah, well, I mean, we we obviously, actually, our contracts were changed and bits yeah. and pieces, but, um, listen, I, I've got a lot of respect for Theo and I've got, I've got no axe to grind with him whatsoever. <clears throat> you know, a lot of, even my mates, you know, we, we can have discussions and razz over whether he was any good and blah, 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 you know, take money out of the club. And blah. But I always end up defending him. <clears throat> and I, you know, and I'll say to him, if anyone should be having a go at him or have an axe to grind, it should be me, sack me. Mm. But um, I, I haven't. He, he, he did everything, again, everything by the book. He, he told us to our face. Um, he was straight with us. And... And I say, at the end of the day, if Millwall hadn't got promoted, I could sit there and go, he was wrong. But Millwall got promoted that season yeah. under Mark McGee. So how can I now sit here and go, he made the wrong decision? I think he was wrong. Yeah. Personally, I, I'd like to think that we would have achieved what Mark did. Yeah. But um, in terms of the, the result of what he did, in terms of getting rid of us, he was proved right, let's be honest. Such a shame. I mean, it, it, it doesn't anger me. It's just such a shame. I mean, but what's it like for you and, and, and 
well, she can't speak for Rhino. We both did pretty much exactly the same thing at Millwall. Other, you know, he didn't ever yeah. leave and you left once and come back. When you're going into that job, you know it can only end two ways. It's either you get sacked because you're not doing no good, or you actually was doing all right, or two, you do so well, you end up going on to bigger and better things, which actually we discussed already earlier. Doesn't predominantly happen with Millwall. Yeah. Millwall managers. So do, is there a little bit of, do I really want to manage this team because, you know, oh, no, does no, it make no, no. less? Does it make no, you love the company less because they cause no. you know, got sacked? Then yeah. as soon as it was sort of offered and rumoured that it was going to you know be offered, you know, couldn't been couldn't been prouder. That was yeah. it was and and to be fair, when you you can sit here now and go, well, you know, as soon as you say yes to the job, you, you, you're just waiting for the sack, whenever it might be. But you don't. We didn't think of it like that. No. We didn't think it would it would either end with us being sacked or we mm. didn't think it would end with us going to another club you just want to do the job and do it to the best of your ability and you want to succeed and we didn't we didn't ever think about it being leading to anything else good or bad we just didn't we just didn't just want to get in the moment just just you, as, as you'd always done just do your best for the club once yeah. again yeah, well yeah. you had some good times you took the club to Wembley not many people could yeah, say yeah, that yeah 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 I mean uh, again a highlight you know, in, in terms of club football highlight, uh, you know, walking out a team at Wembley is uh, is just, a, you know, unbelievable. And again, I'll refer back to a lot of it because it's it was shared with the supporters, you know, and, and my friends. But, you know, we think of the amount of supporters we took that day to Wembley and walking out and seeing basically it full up with blue and white. Well, all blue and white because Wigan were blue and white as well. But in terms of knowing that it was, it was you know, Virtually ninety-eight percent of what it was Millwall supporters mm. uh, was a fantastic feeling, a fantastic achievement for the supporters as well. I mean, the game itself was nondescript, but in terms of uh, again another first in terms of our old team playing in the team that got into the old Premier League and whatever it is, and then taking a team to Wembley and and. Generations of Mill supporters saying that they never expect to see Mill play at Wembley. Now yeah. it's a lot more common because of the playoffs yeah. and bits and pieces and all of those things. But then it was, it was a you know a big deal for us. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about not not just the Wembley. We covered that, but the team you inherited, the youth team players that you were forced to play almost. Could you see then the gems that they were going to become? Yeah. It's certainly in two or three of them. I don't, you know, it's it's, it's hard to to bat the others, but you know, there's a, you know, players that are always mentioned. Obviously, Tim, um, Stephen Reid, Paul Ifill, um, and Lucas Neal, and Richard Sadler. Sadly for Millwall supporters, they didn't see you know the very best of Richard Sadler. I think they stuck. They had started to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we always said when we, even when we were managers that we brought Paul Moody into the football club for Richard Sadler to learn off of. Mm-hmm. Paul Moody was a great lad and a really good player for us. He'd done mm-hmm. he'd done a great job, a fantastic job for us. A lot of time for Moods. But we wanted Richard Sadler to learn from him. Yeah. Which he did. And uh, unfortunately he's you know, his injury cut short his career. But he would have Gone on to match what Timmy Cale did, mm. I believe he was he was a fantastic player that was just starting to 
come out in himself and starting to score goals. And it's a, it's a, a crying shame for both Millwall and football in general that mm. he was unable to carry on um, in his career because he was a good lad and a, a really good player. Fantastic player. He's been on the show, mate. He's been on the show, and it was it, it, it got me. It did. It was like uh, it was a bit. You could see. I mean, he's got on with his life, and he's happy because just yeah. like stories he had to tell. He had to retire twice, and all that. It's such yeah. a shame. Such a talent. Yeah, yeah, it was a really, really disappointing. One of the really, really sad, disappointing things, you mm. know, in football, in in terms of not just for me, Wolf, but for me personally, because I knew him, having to to see him to retire, knowing how much it meant meant to him to be a footballer and um and and him really starting to fulfill some of that potential we had so much to give him in terms of football for mm. Ireland for his country and in club football I mean no due respect no disrespect to Millwall but you know if he would have carried on progressing as he was he he would have he would have signed for someone else someone would have offered a lot of money for him mm. and Millwall would have benefited that way and his career would have gone on but because of his injury, it just, it just wasn't to be. Yeah, you inherited some good players, yes, but you also signed some good signings. You, you Didn't you sign Stuart Nevercott? Yeah, we signed, Nevers came to the club, we signed um, Tony Matty, Lowe, Matty Lawrence, Tony Warner, it's probably our you first know? signing. Tony Warner, Matty Lawrence, um, Christoph, Christoph, yeah, Christoph Kenne, yeah. Paul Moody, as I said. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, we, we tried to, we tried to add to the good youngsters that had come mm. through the system, probably the best crop, crop of youngsters that had come through yeah. since that FA Youth Cup winning team mm. of 70, whatever it was. You you know, just, we've just mentioned there half the team, by the way. I didn't even realise that. You had yeah. some good youngsters, yes, but you've just made, yeah. we've just mentioned there half the team that went took us up to promotion there. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I mean, uh, and again, I think, you know, it's not blowing my own trumpet or Keith's or anything. Mm. Mark McGee, as I said about... Uh, John Dot recognising what he inherited. Mark McGee recognised it, and because mm. I, I eventually went back to Millwall as one of the youth team coaches, and um, you know, had, had conversations with Mark, and he knew what you know. He he was he was a lucky man, put it like mm. that, yeah. to inherit the players that he he did, um, and but he, he didn't tinker about with it too much, and he didn't he didn't go right. I'm gonna I'm gonna make my mark on it now because these are all. Rhinos and, and Macca's players. He just went, no, these are a good group of players. Yeah, yeah. Away we go. And he, and he, he just carried it on. So I've got a lot of time for Mark. You know, I was, I, you know, some good discussions about Millwall with him. And uh, he's a good man. He's a good man. So we'll, we'll, we'll get on to it now. Obviously, you did lose your job. And I'm not speaking for other, player, other people because I've had players on. Uh, a lot of the players were, were not happy with the way that you and Rhino were treated. The day you lost your job, I think it was Brentford away. Some abuse you got from some of the fans as well. The players have openly said on this show they, you know, they, they wasn't impressed and they thought you both deserved better. So, what would, I mean, it's a stupid question, but what was it? What did it feel like to get sacked by the club that you'd grown up at and, and played? Give such yeah, I mean, uh, you have to, it, it goes with the territory, unfortunately. It goes mm. with it goes with it goes with football, whether it's the club that you you know you supported, you played for, blah blah blah. Um, it just, as you said earlier, the day you, you, you sign the contract to be manager is, the, is you know, how long is it going to last for you sacked? Because mm. it's inevitable you're going to get, you're going to lose your job. Yeah. So um, we didn't agree with it. We, we, I, I felt we was we were unfortunate because we had a lot of injuries at the start of that season, and 
as you know, sod's law as it usually is, they were just getting fit as we got the sack. Mm. And again, Mark was a beneficiary of that, but that wasn't his fault. Um, unfortunately, that was just the way it was. So, um, yeah, people were injured, they were just getting fit. And then, you know, he, he was he was sensible enough to carry on what he did. Did that day at Brentford, well, slightly disappointing, but I don't know. In the end, it, 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 it was what it was and we all got promoted. So, um, yeah. So that's a shame, mate. You returned in 2006 temporarily. Mm. Um, I, I, at this point, I'll be honest, that's not long before my first born was born. So I sort of fallen out of it for a bit, for a couple of years around that point. So you returned temporarily in 2006 to take charge. What happened there and how did that come about? Yeah, well, I was, I was actually on the coaching staff then. I was, I, was, right. um, I was one of the youth team coaches. And obviously Dennis left, Dennis Wise left. Um, and they, they basically... So sorry, how long, how, long after, how long after you got sacked... Did you return to Mill on a full-time basis? I worked. Oh, I, I left and worked with David Kemp, who was one of our coaches at Millwall for a time. Went and worked at Oxford United for a while as assistant to him. Um, done a little bit of scouting, and then and then went back to Millwall. So I, I don't know what it was—a couple of years. Or yeah. So could, could it, when you just said Dennis Wise, I yeah. thought well, it couldn't have been that long then. No, no, it wasn't that long. No, no. and I went back under Mark McGee. Mark McGee right. was still was the manager, oh, and okay. he left, and Dennis took over. Um, and then when Dennis left, they, they we were relegated. We were, we'd gone down, but there was two games at the end of the season to go. I mean, we played right. Burnley at home and Crew away um, with two games left. And um, they just asked me to take the just asked me to take the team basically, mm. um, and that's what I did. I was a member of the coaching staff. Right. Um, and that's 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 the reason I took him. To be perfectly honest. Well, fair play, mate. Millwall to the to the very death. <laughs> um, best memories. I know. I know we've covered it. It's, I know it's a very long time at the club. If you could possibly pick out one or two as a player and as a manager. Well, probably as a player, obviously the the game at whole, obviously for for mm. the obvious reasons in club football. Um, Probably one of the proudest moments is representing my country at, at levels, you know, from youth level to to the B sides. You know, being able to say that, you know, you stand and line up before the game and sing the national anthem and represent your, your country yeah, yeah. is probably the proudest proudest thing. Well, uh, sorry, we we haven't covered that, we and you and Terry both played for the for the B side. Did you not miss the? Did you not miss part of the trip to Barbados because of this, the end of season trip? No, funny enough. Well, that was that was the Barbados trip was the season before. That was the year we went up. Right. And me and Teddy did miss. Me and Teddy missed some right. of that trip okay. because we went and played with the under twenty ones. Right. And me and Teddy played with the under twenty ones that year. And the next season, after our first year in the in the old Premier League, me and Terry went away with the England B side and missed some of the trip. Millwall went to Australia and to Malaysia, Penang in Malaysia. And we missed some of that trip. <laughs> so I missed out after yeah, two trips. Terry, someone told me that Terry, one of the players said, Terry turned up in the bar and he's full strip. Well, see, it's, a, it's a story because they, <laughs> Mill, we, we, Millwall played a 
testimonial game at the end of the season. And in that game, me and, Te- me and Terry were away. We went away with England. In that game, Steve Antrobus broke his arm. Right. So Millwall then went away to Australia playing some exhibition games. And then we're flying from Australia to Malaysia. And we were going to meet him in Malaysia. And so Steve Antrobus, Terry and myself, after we'd finished our games with England, he'd had his arm set in a cast. Three of us got on a plane and flew to Penang. Right. And Millwall flew to Australia, from Australia to Penang. We knew what day they were getting there. So Terry went, I've got my England kit from the B, B tour. So I went up. He said, I've got my boots as well. So I went, what you got them for? He went, watch. So he went, someone shouted, the coach has just turned up outside the hotel. So in Malaysia... And Terry went, oh, Dante, runs upstairs, comes back down. And as they're walking through the door, Terry comes running down the stairs. He's got his full England kit on and his boots on. And he's going, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just walking through the door. <laughs> so, yeah, fantastic, fantastic stories. But, uh, yeah, so good luck. Uh, best manager, I'm going to press you for as well. The best manager you played under at Millwall. Uh, as I say, in terms of coaching, uh, George Graham probably, but in terms of developing the team and the spirit, John Duck. Yeah, John Duck. It's hard to pick between the two of them because one complemented the other, unfortunately. Yeah, I think I think someone else said if you could mould the yeah. two of them together, the yeah, tactical yeah, yeah. now of Graham and the man yeah. management Doc, you'd have like yeah. one. But you'd yeah, have one. you could put Pep to shame. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And finally, always in with the same question. If you could go out tomorrow, have a round of golf, night out, whatever you want, with three of your ex mule teammates, you can only take three of them with you. Who would you take? Oh, dear me. If you don't say Rhino, it's going to break my heart. Well, I, I can't because he's in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he wants to invite me out there, well, I'll jump on a plane. Yeah, yeah. And he, and, he, and he pays for the flight. But after time, we, 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 we often, you know, I don't, I'm not a great, great golfer anybody. I do. But when I do play, we play. Teddy will be there, and that's the that's the, you know, I, I always think, you know, the mark of of what we add at the club. If we have any reunions or get-togethers or game of golf, one of the very first people that wants to do it and wants to meet up is Teddy. Yeah. After all that he's achieved in the game, he still wants to to have the crack with us and. Uh, it's, it's a great feeling. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to come on my show, though. That's the only problem I've got. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well. Oh, he said he, he, said, he, said he will, but he, we can never pin him down. So, um, <laughs> there you go. That's because he goes on too fucking long. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, Al, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. I've loved having you on. It's been brilliant. Cheers, Dan. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. I've really enjoyed it. It's been good. Cheers, Neil mate. Thank you very much. Ah, oh, mate. No problems. 